Dustin. I'm Maurice, and you're listening to Category Is. Hey, Maurice, how you doing? I'm good. What's going on in your world? Um, just being busy with work. That's pretty much it. Being busy. Things are picking up with my firm, so that's good. And Jen, just, you know, trying to find time to relax. How about you? What's going on? Uh, not much, really. Did some spring cleaning because, you know, it's that time of year. Um, and then also, so our gym is open, but I'm still like not really going to the gym. Um, mm-hmm. so I started a new workout. Okay. <laughs> At home. It's called the FUPA workout. Oh God. Who does that? Not Sean T, obviously. No, he's, um, <laughs> he's actually a British guy. His name is, um, Mr. London. And oh yeah, I follow him. You've seen him. He's like the chocolatey um, British guy with a beard. He's got some fucked up teeth, though. Uh, well, he's British. That's like <laughs> par for the course. Yeah, but the NHS has truly um, yeah. dropped the ball when it comes to teeth. <laughs> yeah, and then he also he always works out in like gray like sweatshorts or sweatpants. But I don't think he's wearing underwear. Yeah, so it's a, a bit distracting, but he created this line of workouts called the FUPA workout or FUPA challenge. And FUPA, I first heard this term watching um, that Honey Boo Boo show with like Mama June when she was doing okay. like her makeover. And it's like, she said she had a FUPA and everybody was like, what's that? And so she said it's a fat upper private area. Or pussy. Well. <laughs> wait, so wait, you were saying FUPA this whole time, not football? Right, yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying football, like oh, no. hike. <laughs> no. Okay, FUPA. Yeah. Got it. But it's basically like ab workouts and... and uh, okay. It's like a two-week um, like series of workouts, and they're really only like 20 minutes, but mm-hmm. they're pretty, pretty intense. So yeah, I'll let y'all know in two weeks. I haven't really been up to anything. I'm just reading a, new books. Um, I did take this weekend to watch recaps of... You don't watch RuPaul's Drag Race, do you? No. Uh, okay. Because I did have that as a, as a category. But we can discuss later. But I just took the weekend to kind of like just watch Netflix, to watch documentaries, and then recap every single of this sh- um, episode of the show called The Pit Stop, which is like a... Uh, recap show of RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes, I'm obsessed. It's moved 13 years later. Um, I feel like that person, remember like when American Idol was starting to get corny? <laughs> the second season. <laughs> like maybe like, you know, a little later than that. But I feel like the person now, like a lot of gays, I feel like don't watch RuPaul's Drag Race anymore because it's become so mainstream. It's so contrived. And some people even think it's like, you know, fixed or rigged that it's like become corny to watch now, but I'm still yeah. like hanging on with just teen girls watching and totally obsessed. Yeah, it's just not good anymore. I just feel like it lost a bit of the authenticity because they already know the challenges ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And they just bring all the stuff. And so it's not right. really about um the perf- it's not really about like the whole thing, like the performance and the costume. It's it's like come with your, you know, pre done costume and wigs and Right. And, you know, create Girls a bunch of drama. Do, yeah, they don't even have to do makeup anymore. It's kind, yeah. of, it's kind of, the skill set has diminished, but it's still, and then it's, it's a decent show. It's uh, also not even about winning anymore. 
because it's more about let me cause the mo- the biggest viral moment or the biggest scandal or you know just become such a caricature that I get picked up by someone else. Angie, Banji. Mm-hmm. Like she was like the first one to go home and she's like one of the most famous drag queens. Well, that's a perfect example. But yeah, I feel you, but it's just it's it's entertainment and I don't know, I find that like you know, in these times I want something fun and delightful to watch. But yeah. So you just worked out all weekend with Mr. London? And clean the house. Okay. And then I also watched, um, well, I started watching a documentary on, H- I think it's on HBO Max. Um, or is it on Netflix? I can't remember where I saw it, but it was um, Exterminate All the Brutes. Oh, interesting. What's it about? And it's like a four-part um, documentary, and it's about um, like colonialism and and, you know, the racist and racial tones of that. But mm-hmm. I could, I like, I only got through like half of the first one because the narrator has this kind of disgusting voice. Like, oh, he, gosh, yeah, huh? he sounds like he just smoked a pack of Marlboros. And, you know, that doesn't have the filter on the end. So he just sounds like he has this haggard voice. And it's just difficult to to watch or listen to. Wow. And so, yeah, I just can't get into it. But, That's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. Someone's voice, when it's like grating like that, it can just be so unpleasant and totally born experience. Mm. I get it. I feel like I have that voice sometimes, but <laughs> maybe I do some folks. But, oh, well, it's your problem. Deal. But yes, let's hop into these categories for the week. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait. Oh, my gosh. What's your drinking, Marty's? So it's been warm. Um, warming up, it's, aside from the rain, because it was kind of rainy over the weekend as well. Um, but I'm feeling like springtime. So I do have just a rosé d'Anjou. Still a bit early for rosé, but I was okay. feeling it tonight. Yes. Rosé is actually one of the top four um, contestants on RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> but I'm Team Simone. Then Team Dominic. Uh, I'm just drinking a good old gin and tonic with a splash of St. Germain. You know, I love my gin and tonic and sticking with her for the night. Yes. Well, now <laughs> let's hop into the categories for the week. I always forget what you're drinking. It's crazy. All right. So what's the first category, Maurice? Um, so we did kind of um, briefly touch on this last week when we had our episode with Terry Upshur, the um, real estate guru here in Philly. So we um, did talk about uh, Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, passing away um, on April 9th. And so they had the feud on this past Saturday. So I did watch that um, on Saturday morning. It was They started the coverage at like 8.30, which is a bit early over here. But, you know, they give like you know, the background and like Anderson Cooper was on and stuff like that. But right. it was, you know, at Windsor Castle, um, so north of London. And for me... Is that where Meghan got married? Yeah, so it okay. was... Um, familiar. Yeah, so it was in Windsor Castle in, um, in the chapel there. And it was kind of like weird watching it because, you know, for a lot of people, the framework of that location is Harry and Meghan's wedding when it was like packed full of people, you know, everyone's in there like bright spring colors and, you know, you're there for like a happy occasion, you right. know, of a wedding. 
but then to contrast that with like you know the next time you're having a big event there and it's the funeral and you know it just kind of was exaggerated by the fact that you know they were doing the COVID protocols and um you know adding to this you know solemn occasion there just were only like 30 people inside um right. the church and then like the whole front part remember they had it like packed with people like all the chairs were like you know pretty much stacked together <laughs> and then they had the um remember the kingdom choir came and they were like in the mm-hmm. back and but on saturday it was completely empty yeah it was super empty it was yeah eerie. it was eerily empty and quiet when they were walking like that casket in and it was it was just it was just sad because like you get to see um you know the queen and she is you know 94 there's her husband of 73 years they've been together probably 75 years um right. at this point like really it was her first and only love like she saw him when the story is she saw him when she was 13 and like had you know like a little crush on him and then you know years later after she um, became you know like 18 or whatever they started um corresponding and like talking and then fell in love got married you know so it's like they've been together for ever right and you know just to see like you know now she has to not be with him anymore it was just really sad to me and then she was sitting by herself in the in the in the you know um seat because you know they had to keep their distance because it was the COVID protocol so it was just it was just really sad for me yeah yeah i was um running on the treadmill at the gym when i watched it and it was just sad to kind of like for me when i just saw her sitting by herself and then the commentators were talking about like how she lives in essentially a bubble Mm -hmm. due to covid and like one of the lady in waiting was with her it was just really sad um, and somber. But it was also interesting to like, I, I find funerals fascinating. A, because I'm a little bit morbid. Uh, <laughs> and B, because I think that like just traditions and customs of different cultures and how we send away our loved ones into the next realm or, you know, say goodbye and honor and memorialize their life is really interesting. And it was just interesting to watch just what the British do. Because I don't think I've ever watched a British funeral before. So that was my first one. So it was just the little things with, like, the songs and the bagpipes. And then also because he's royal, just certain protocol and things that happened. Um, I, I, I even read that, like, they're keeping him in a lead-lined casket. And then they'll, he'll stay, I think, below the church, is it? Yeah, so it's in the royal it's in the royal vault, which is underneath um, where they were sitting. Right, and then when the queen passes, he'll be with her wherever she will lay. Yeah, so they they whenever she passes, they're gonna move her to the um, George the Sixth Memorial Chapel, which is like right in that front part of the of the church. It's like right before you get to the the seat that they were sitting in. Yeah, but there's like a little small chapel there, and they'll be buried. Because her parents and her sister are buried there. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'll be... um, It was just really interesting. And I think that, you know, they said there was a live fee for family members who couldn't attend because of the fact that it was limited to 30 people. Um, I know that it was kind of early because even here for East Coast, I was like, well, damn, Megan's out in West Coast. I'm sure she had to get up early to be watching this, but it's just a sad occasion. Well, kind... Well, yes, and... 
No, because I think, um, you know, he was 99. He would have been 100 sure. in June. Right. And so it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he had this extensive like military career. He, you know, was able to travel the world in the capacity of being the uh, prince consort. And so, I mean, he had an amazing life. But um, ooh, hold on. To be that old is more of a celebration of life than like sad that they're gone because it's right you know like he he lived and you know he was able to do a lot of things and you know it is sad that having to grieve and be a widow but right you know i think and also given the conditions like she can't even like be in physical proximity to her loved ones you know that has to feel extra lonely yeah but i'm sure they do i'm gonna say do you think they break do you think they break that protocol just like behind closed doors i'm sure they do to like, an extent, sure. right? To an extent, yeah. She been had the vaccine. She been like they're they're good. I think a lot mm-hmm. of it is also just keeping up appearances and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But Megan sent a wreath. She was not able to attend. She probably sent a bucket of chicken and some a case Ooh. of sodas too. Not a bucket of chicken. <laughs> but but yeah, it's uh-huh. um. It was it was interesting to watch, like you said, just the songs like that choir was wearing me out. Yes. I was like, <laughs> this is this is I am not used to this yeah. at all. Like, yeah. yeah, it's just it's different. And then the one thing that I did not like about it was that the media, um, here, especially on CNN, they were making um a lot of fuss about William and Harry and you know, are they're estranged and are they gonna speak and you know, just that became the story. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that shouldn't be the focus of right. Well, you know, the drama. American media is messy and lives for the drama and is going to speculate and TMZ the funeral. You know, they're going to they get a spectacle when and where they can. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Well, but... Weddings and funerals bring out the worst in people. What they say. Oh, yeah, weddings, divorces too. But <laughs> well. Well, um, moving on from one event that captured the world to another that's been kind of capturing the eyes of many for weeks now. Have you been watching the Derek Chauvin trial? Absolutely not. Okay. So you're in the camp of people that's like, absolutely not. I was texting with one of my friends who's actually a lawyer. And she's like, why are you watching that shit? It's ridiculous. Like, because it's um, emotionally draining to have to like relive this and rewatch the videos but also i have a group of like some of my friends from law school and we're on this uh group text and this has always been i've been working with it like playing in the background and um keeping up with text messages when and where i can and just discussing like all the legal stuff with them like you know objections and arguments and things like that more the technical aspect of the trial um but it's been interesting to watch it's also been emotionally exhausting to watch i think for many people um that's what it has been but today they just gave closing arguments um took them all damn day to do it but i don't know i I woke up this week feeling kind of uneasy ever just wake up and kind of feel uneasy um yeah since november 2016 (laughs) wait what happened then oh yeah okay never mind uh the orange person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I kind of had like this feeling this week. Um, maybe just like from just reading things about like, you know, the Minnesota school district being 100% virtual, you know, all the shops in various cities are already getting boarded up and National Guard being deployed to all these cities. Um, I'm hopeful 
that will get a guilty verdict. But you never know what you're Because <laughs> it all comes down to one stubborn person. Mm-hmm. And it could be like, nope, I'm not I'm not going to find them guilty. Then you have a hung jury, you know, and um, it could be messy. I'd, but obviously, I'd rather have a hung jury than a not guilty. Well, I just think that no matter what the verdict, people are going to be unhappy. Wait, like one wait. some segment of people is going to be happy, unhappy, and they're going to oh, take it to the streets. Probably that's why everyone's prepared for this level of unrest. And I just, you know, I I hope I don't know. It's whatever's going to happen is going to happen, and mm-hmm. I'm not really invested too much in it because. I'm just preparing for it to not go the right way. Right. It's like the yeah. worst, mm-hmm. which is so sad. And I think that that also kind of like presents a flaw in our criminal justice system when people are continually like, let me just prepare for the worst because it doesn't work out. You know, like I think in Minnesota, only four police officers have ever been tried for murder and only one has been convicted. And that was a black officer who shot and killed a white woman. So it's wow. just like... You know, and, and I hate that, like, it's so, I mean, obviously it's racialized, right? But it's just, it shouldn't, I mean, that's just the, the, the temperature of what's happening in this country, given all that's been going on, um, with police misconduct, but it's just like, just if you watch the video, like the whole world saw the video. So I feel like the whole world is just waiting with a breath. Well, I think that's good too, because also it's traumatic to have to watch people die on the internet all the time. And it's not healthy, and it's not normal. It was a thing, like in in school, because when um, what was that? Faces of Death first came out, where what it was that? it was like this old um, these videos that came. I don't know where they came from, like on the dark web or something. But it was like they would show like people in the Middle East like getting beheaded, and they would have like oh hostage God. situations, and people would watch them and then just talk about them, like how horrific they were and i just think there's something really um personal and special about like someone's last moments and i don't think capturing it on video or watching it is like appropriate right so that's why i just would never watch that video and then um even the guy who got shot by the police officer, like, 10 miles from where all the George Floyd oh, yeah, stuff Wright. happened. Yeah, Dante Wright. Like, they were released. They are like, oh, breaking news. The body cam footage was released. And I was like, I'm not watching. Like, who's watching that? I'm turning the channel. Like, right. I'm not trying to watch someone pass die. away, die, get yeah. murdered, shot, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's violent and it's traumatic. And it just, mm-hmm. I think it, it desensitizes people to think that that's normal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also crazy. I just think with the with social media, you could just be scrolling. Like there have been times when I've just been scrolling, looking at people like Mr. London, and you know that, that's what I go there for. And all of a sudden, I'm just confronted with like a video of someone like you know being violently killed. But now Instagram has like that sensitive content thing, <laughs> which is a joke <laughs> because they'll be showing stuff like someone cooking a lobster and it's like sensitive material or like catching a fish and it was like labeled as sensitive material. Like, okay, girl. Yeah. Y'all that doing that, that can be a bit of a reach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, um, we'll see what happens this week. Hopefully, you know, things will be okay. Things will, everyone will remain cool. Keep your heads. Uh, another big story that happened, was it last week? I'm not sure. It, I don't think the timing matters. But this guy, I guess he was a former bachelor. Um, his name is Colton Underwood. Yeah. So he was... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. He, so he just came out as gay. Yeah. On a Robin Roberts interview. And they te- they were teasing it up. And it was like, they played the clip. And they're like walking on a rooftop or something. And then... Mm-hmm. Um, they're sitting down for the interview and she's like, is there something you want to say? And as soon as it like cut, like cut to him and then he's like opening his mouth and then it shuts off. I'm like, okay, if he's not coming out as gay, then there's no need for this interview. But right. like people had speculated that he was gay for like the longest time because he started out on The Bachelorette. Um, okay. And I think he only lasted, he didn't last the whole time, maybe like six seven weeks maybe then he was on like bachelor in paradise and then he was named as like the bachelor on like the next season of mm-hmm. the bachelor but like his whole thing was like i'm a virgin i'm not having sex with a woman and you know he got really no more child that. and so even he when found, he, was, he like, found some dingling oh gosh <laughs> Right, but like, even though when it, they were like, when he said, "I'm a virgin, I'm not having sex with a woman," I was like, "Oh, he's gay." <laughs> right, because because why would he say with a woman? Yeah, you know. Oh, to me, I I know this is like a bad theory, but he has gay face to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like gay face. Like mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, he clearly looks gay, and also dead giveaway. Like you're gonna have a lesbian behind Robin Roberts interviewing him. Right. Like, do you have anything to tell us? Right. Like, well, of course, she's in the gay uh, news correspondent, the gay yet approachable one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then I guess there was a lot of pushback from members of the gay community because he's now being like blamed for monetizing his coming out um, because he has a Netflix show, mm-hmm. right? Yep. With um, Gus Kenworthy, who's at he's an Olympian. He does like snowboarding. Or yeah, something, he's a, a winter. Yeah, and. Um, I guess, guess Gus Kenworthy, who I feel like just came out a smooth two years ago as well, right. is going to be like, is going to be his gay guide. Guide, which you know, you all every as soon as you come out as gay, you get a tour guide into the into the hell that is the LGBT community. Sometimes, but I just feel like really, come on, like a, a gay guy from somebody who just came out a smooth two years ago. Well, and then like he's like he's like a muscle white gay. They actually look alike. No, not really. I mean, they in the same tribe, but it just seems silly to me. I mean, part of me's not mad that he's like, look, I gotta, I gotta get a check, and I'm gonna do what I need to do. But then a part of me is like, really, it seems silly, and I don't know who's gonna watch. I know I'm not gonna watch. Oh, then the YKs are gonna be all over it. You think so? Oh, for sure, for sure. But they, the thing with the coming out story, it was like, like he's already in the middle of filming this reality show. Right. Sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) He's already in the middle of filming, uh, filming this reality show. So it was like, it was coming out anyway. So it just seems like a whole like press 
type situation. So it, it loses the authentic authenticity of it because it just seems like it's another like money grab. Like you're super you opportunistic. Yeah, like you were like a failed um football player. Um you you know got released from your job. Then you you hop on to the Bachelorette like franchise and then I guess the money ran out of that because the girl that he was dating or found fell in love with on there um put out a restraining order against him like a couple months ago oh yeah like it's some drama and so yeah i feel like the show's always drama didn't feel like the black bachelors have some drama too i mean is is this this show even successful yes because usually the um bachelor or bachelorette it's like you stay within that abc kind of family like you're always going to end up on um dancing with the stars you're always going to end up on you know like a morning show or you know you're just it's just this built-in like machine where you just keep doing content after content after content so it just feels like this is just another step in the whole thing and i think that's where people are feeling like it's just not authentic right i don't know even when he said it he was he was like i'm Okay. And it was just like, mm, it just didn't, it didn't feel heartfelt. It didn't feel real. Well, and it, it, yeah, I don't know. He did seem kind of nervous because it was like his mouth was dry. And I was like, you got that water sitting right there. Now y'all can take a break and you can, <laughs> you know, take a sip. But it, I feel like it's just a bad time to be doing all this. Why do you say that? Like immediately after the whole, this whole drama with, um, the girlfriend and okay, okay. you've been gay for a minute. Like, <laughs> let's not act like you really need a guide or, mm-hmm. you know, you need this reality show. Cause what is a gay guy going to show you? Right. That you, that you, that you ain't learned from, from the grinder. Exactly. You, know, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's a little ridiculous, but I don't know. See, I, I'm messy. I, I wanted a little bit more drama. Like, a part of me created this backstory in my mind, like maybe like somebody he was hooking up with, one of his grinder dates was like blackmailing him. He was like, I had to do this. But when he came out with the, the TV show, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's what's mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought, I was hoping that he was like, I have to get ahead on the story and control the narrative. <laughs> but alas, that was not the situation. Yeah. I wonder, <laughs> I'm waiting for the black bachelors coming out because he oh, okay too. I swear, I, I mean, Allegedly, but I mean, I just don't believe that he's, he's always hanging out with that one guy. Yeah. His and roommate who was on The Bachelor. The Bachelor Red Club. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. It's just, it's sad. It's sad at this point. It's, it's really not cool. They're tapping the same well. <laughs> I mean, the show, the, show, the show needs, oop, true. <laughs> <laughs> the show needs to do some better vetting. I mean, again, I mean, coming out is a very personal process. Everyone does it in their own way, on their own time frame, uh, comfort level. But this just seems a little bit, because it's also to me like, well, I mean, not to, not comparing it to death, but coming out is also something that's very, very intimate and it's deeply, deeply personal. And to me, I just don't think he's on the level of celebrity, right? Like to be coming out like that, like Ellen did, or like other big name celebrities did that I just can't think of right now. You know, I also respect celebrities who just don't come just out don't, and get a yeah. non-issue a la Queen Latifah. Like, it ain't <laughs> one of your business. <laughs> you know? Because when you make it an issue, then it's just like... Yeah. It, and it, it, 
it, continu- it continues that, that that heteronormative narrative. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like nobody was forcing you to do the Bachelorette and then Bachelor in Paradise, and could have said no. Like mm-hmm. at several points um, throughout that, and then there was the clip of uh, Billy Eichner. I guess he was. Oh, oh, oh yeah. And he was like, "You could be the first uh, gay bachelor." And this video is like what ten years old. Uh-huh. It's old, or I forget. I don't know how old it is, but it's old. And he was like, <laughs> "Awkward laugh." Child, he knew what it was. Like he said, he knew what it was from the age of six. Mm-hmm. But he was just, you know, hiding from himself. Again, it's all his own personal stuff. But yeah. I wish him well. Um, I hope him and Ken. They probably already got it in. Look at look at my mind wandering. Exactly. I don't know that to be true. <laughs> All right. Are there any more categories for the week? I think that's it. Since we already kind of discussed RuPaul's Drag Race, but um, I'll, I'll have more to talk about after we have a, a crowned winner next. In which um, much right now. <laughs> okay. Never mind. What? No. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna ask, like, which um, how much more of the season is there? Oh, so this past week they had the reunion, which was like a pre-taped type situation Mm -hmm. which just doesn't have the same effect because i really like when people come back to reunions to air out their grievances and to create mess and drama and to like you know get that opportunity to say something the way they wish they had said it on the show um it wasn't really that a lot of the queens were like getting like performance segments and it was like more of an exhibition of their additional talent um than an actual union that kind of like breaks down what happened during the season and goes through the drama. But we'll mm-hmm. see what's going to happen next week. I'm very, again, I'm very team Simone. Um, she's like a very, like, she's a black queen and she's very pro black. That's very much her identity and character to an extent. She, like, like she, she ghetto black. I don't know. She might. I think that all the gays, it's, it's come down to like her and Gottmik, who is um, the first transgender. A contestant on the show, and I really do like Gottman's drag too. So we'll see, we shall see. But my money's on Simone. I won't be mad if Gottman wins though. But I'll report back next week. All right, let's get into. I said what I said. Do you want to go first? Yeah, my I said what I said for this week is, um, you know, in relation to because we were watching CNN for so long on um, Saturday, waiting for the fume to start, and I guess. Somebody messed up the times because they just had, it just seemed like way too much coverage than mm-hmm. they needed. So they would like go in and out of different stuff. But um, when it was on, I believe this was actually, um, this might have been afterwards, but we left the TV like on CNN. And I noticed a trend that CNN, especially for their um, kind of Saturday shows or like not two important shows, <laughs> are yeah, yeah. <laughs> trending towards like younger um, journalists which okay. is good because, you know, the media is often controlled by older, an older white demographic, um, majority male. And so they're, I guess they're trying to like change it up. Right. And I know like a lot of, um, so I know like a lot of, um, like even Harry and Megan said they want to work with like younger journalists, um, more people of color, you know, things like that. Keep it more like grassroots level and not just the, the media machine or whatever. Right. Um, not just the Andersons of the world. Yeah, because he's problematic, too. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, anyway. So that's another story. So um, 
I noticed that, yeah, they just go into like younger and younger journalists, which I don't particularly have a problem with. However, I feel like you should at least dress up to be <laughs> on the news because there was this um, interview where this girl was, um, it was about like the COVID, um, like vaccine deniers and like people who just um, are anti-vaxxers. And they, this one journalist, she was interviewing this pastor of a church in uh, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's the, the guy was like telling his congregation, you know, don't get vaccinated. Um, it's all a hoax. Like, don't believe in COVID. And, you know, all the, all the, you know, they're injecting you with government microchips and like things like that. Right. And the girl had on like an oversized jean jacket. She looked like she hadn't even combed her hair that much. Wow. She had on like some dirty glasses and like her pants were like rolled up, I believe, and just looked completely out of place. And also she looked like she was high. Like <laughs> she had done something because like her eyes were like half open. She was talking in this like really low voice. And it was mm-hmm. just like he can barely hear you. <laughs> right. Like, man, you have to give us yeah. broadcaster voice, Midwestern, you know. American accent. Yeah. And she was like, So like, what did you think about that? And you're not gonna get the vaccine. Okay. Oh. And we were watching the interview, like, what the fuck is wrong with this bitch? Wow. <laughs> it was just not the level of interviewer that CNN is used to having. Right. And I'm like, girl, you need to go back to BuzzFeed with that refinery 29 because <laughs> you can't be doing that over here at CNN and it it just seemed right. very like unprofessional like she just woke up and showed up down at the church yeah I, I see that too even on I, I watch MSNBC primarily but I do see what you're saying like especially on the weekend it's like a not a deprofessionalization of the profession but it's it's, it's just more relaxed and um, yeah, they don't have the newscaster voice. I think it is in an effort to be more approachable or cool, but it's like, no, ma'am, give me what I want. I want newscaster hair. I want that. I want that newscaster speech. You know, yeah. <laughs> all that. Yeah. Well, uh, my said what I said. I guess kind of. Um, you know, I watch a lot of news, and over the past week, they've been discussing the recall of Johnson and Johnson. Um, which again, I'm not a scientist. I don't know nothing about science. They just offered me the vaccine. I was like, yeah, stick me in the arm, do what you need to do. Um, but I just feel like sometimes, again, the news and the media can kind of spin narratives and not really speak objectively. I feel like sometimes journalistic standards are lacking in, for the sake of the story, right? I feel like news has also become sensationalized. And yeah, I get that there has been a recall, a recall of the Johnson Johnson vaccine, and that is newsworthy. But, you know, you also, I felt all the doctors who were coming on kept, like, repeating the same talking points. Like, yes, it's only been six women, you know, who had these adverse reactions, were looking into it, um, you know, but this doesn't impact the efficacy of that vaccine. And, you know, there was one newscaster who even talked about it in uh, another story who said there was been a hundred and four, there's been 45 mass shootings in America in the past month, just to kind of draw, um, you know, some relation. And she was just like, the likelihood of you getting 
you know, killed from the vaccine is <laughs> no more than just these mass shootings that are happening. She was trying to like draw on two really big stories that were happening on the week. And the way she did it was obviously a lot more eloquent and succinct and cogent than what I just did. But I was like, you know, things are complicated, but we have to be able to kind of look at things with perspective and the news should present it with perspective. And I said what I said. I just wish that the news would do that, just do a better job of giving us perspective. And then when people kind of repeat news or whatever they hear on the internet or to their family, to their friends, it's like only bits and pieces. And it really makes having discussions with the populace very difficult. So I just wish that we can all kind of, you know, work with one set of facts and stop sensationalizing shit. And I said what I said. All right. So now it's time <laughs> for tens, tens, tens across the board. You should go first. My tens this week is going to, okay. well, I have two. Um, okay. So my first ten is going to um, Kellogg's, the cereal brand, because they have teamed up with Glad to um, create an LGBT pride themed breakfast cereal. It's called Together with Pride. It features berry flavored rainbow hearts and edible glitter, which sounds like it's going to be <laughs> glitter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just luster dust, but it's edible. Um, <laughs> it's going to make a lot of people sick. But, um, the boxes um, have like the various, you know, Kellogg characters. They have Tony the Tiger. They have the Rice Krispies um, Thruple. They have Toucan Sam and some of the other ones I forget. But um, oh, uh, yeah. And then yeah, they're just you know doing it doing it all for pride. Um, Kellogg's is donating three dollars from every purchase if you upload like your um, proof of purchase. To like some website. So yeah, and they're going to donate it to an LGBT cause. Um, Yeah, I believe this is like their third year doing something similar to this. But tens for y'all. And then my other tens is going out to Hester Ford. She was the oldest living American who was at least 115 years old. They don't know her exact age. Yeah, but she... um, Passed away this weekend in Charlotte, North Carolina. She was born in Lancaster, South Carolina. Um, but yeah, she was the oldest living American. Wow, 115. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. All right. Well, my tens this week goes to a, a former Black police officer in Buffalo, New York. Her name's Carol Horn. And in, in 2006, she was fired from her position as a police officer after intervening in an incident when a white officer was using excessive force. Um, She was terminated, lost her position on the police force. Just now, all these years later, um, she had been suing uh, the Buffalo uh, Police Department um, for the injustice for actually utilizing her training to de-escalate a situation, um, which officers should be trained to do. And... um, she has finally won her case by the New York Supreme Court and she has been given back pay. So that's awesome for her. And I, you know, I think sometimes, especially when we keep hearing about all these stories around police misconduct, police brutality, it's, it's nice to hear a good one. Sometimes you just need to lift your spirits and have a little bit of hope. So thanks to you, Ms. Moore. That's it. 
All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening to Category Games, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Category Is. Be sure to like, rate, and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all things social media at Category Is Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can contact us at CategoryIsPod at gmail.com. Check us out on the web at CategoryIsPod.com.